do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio, where we talk about Zen parenting. <laughs> we do. Um, this is podcast number 519. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, two words, attunement and... Three words. Attunement. Feeling felt. Feeling felt and attunement. Those three. Doesn't that... I love those two words. Feeling felt. It's so simple, yet I think everybody struggles with it. You think? I do. Um, But first, uh, we are doing a screening on December 4th of The Hunting Ground, brought to you by Zen Parenting and the Tribe Men's Group. I know. Do you know that Skylar has a meeting that night? Well, Skylar's going to have to drag her butt herself to her meeting. I don't... Well, because she's in sixth grade, I don't think that's possible. She'll figure it out. So, well, kind of. It's a joke, sweetie. I know. But for anyway, I was just noticing that we had an overlap. Great. Can't wait for that overlap. <laughs> um, pop culturing. New episode this Wednesday. Here's my teaser. All right. Who knows a tune here? Who wants to sing a tune? Who's got a song? I got one. Uh... You got one. Neil Page has got one. Three coins in a fountain, each one seeking happiness. You know this? Seeking you happiness. Know this. <laughs> you know this. Thrown by three hopeful lovers. No? No? Okay. Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. All right. That's... Uh, so do you know this? Planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> so many great scenes Three in that movie. Three coins in a fountain. Um, so in celebration of Thanksgiving, which is happening in a few weeks. So yes. it'll be out on Wednesday. And then we have this uh, little thing called the Zen Parenting Conference. It is. There's more to the story. I think it's a big thing. Yeah. Um, so February 28th and 29th, um, if you want tickets, go to Zen Parenting Radio and you'll find it there.com or zenparentingconference.com. Um, we are on the search for more Zen friends because we have a lot of people who would like to come to the conference, especially travel to the conference and they can pay for their airfare, but they're having a hard time paying for that and the conference. So if you wouldn't mind helping, um, or there's some people in Chicagoland who just can't afford to go, who would like to have some help from our scholarship program. I'm going to list, not right now, but towards the end of the show, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Zen friends that we've gotten that nice. have donated the scholarship and I gave them nicknames. Great. So let's make sure that we uh, save time for that little... Great. And just so you guys know, again, because I was talking to a friend yesterday and she didn't know this, um, the Zen Parenting Conference 2020, we're focusing on gender. We're focusing on healthy masculinity. We're focusing on neurodiversity. We're focusing on emotional labor. We're focusing on empowerment for women and for men. It's kind of like one of those you know, all encompassing, all encompassing. Um, there's more to the story is our theme. And there's more to the story about all of those things. These we'll, are, they're not simple ideas. They're very, um, expanded. If, if we can look at them from a new point of view, which is the goal of the conference, they're very expanded ideas. Um, and we have freaking John Duffy speaking on Friday night and he's going to be talking about anxiety, which I know is what a lot of people really want to hear about. Um, and we have a sex ed for the 21st century type Sex talk. ed, that's on Friday night. So wow. it's going to be awesome. Speaking of the conference, yeah. we do. Ha- I want to mention one uh, partner of ours that's sure. uh, going to be at the conference with us, timesnapshop.com. Mary. That's Mary. Mary's business. So this is what she has. Um, so go to timesnapshop.com. But it's a photo board. So think about like any new moms that are, or new dads. Um, it's a photo board. So when your kid is doing its, you know, first time they're eating cereal, first time 
They're going to preschool. They're going to preschool. First grade, second grade. First day. And they have like one of those hidden wheels so you can adjust it. Uh-huh. I actually spent some time on the website this morning. It's Good. pretty cool. Um, Timesnap was created from a desire to capture and be present in the moment of our busy lives. So thank you to Mary and Timesnap. It's simple because now what parents have to do is they have to actually like make a poster yeah. and be like six months old. Yeah. And, you know, you're taking time to do that versus now you just have the board. So you can just put it right in front of your kids and remember when it was. I want somebody to use it all the way up to the point that their kid goes to college. First day of college and have it 18 years later. Wow. If, if that would be a very good endorsement for that product. Yeah. That's the best way to do it, sweetie. All right. Better, better present. What's the thing? What's this? (laughs) The thing with the thing? Um, The Native Americans have a saying is the best time to plant a tree is 30 years ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now today. Well, and I say that to, I was just talking to a girlfriend about going back to school and I pulled the the Wayne Dyer thing on her, Mm -hmm. which was, she's like, yeah, but I'm going to be 50. I was like, well, in two years, you're going to be 50 Mm -hmm. or in two years, you're going to be 50 and you'll have gone to school for two years. So which one do you want? Because they're both going to happen. So, or what I mean is age is going to happen, but we have to decide how we are going to use Mm -hmm. our time. So, so Kathy's going to kind of intro what we're going to talk about today. And then I'm going to explain, I'm going to ask her some questions of why, um, why I'm asking you these questions. Why the why? Yes. Why, you know what my why is? Why don't I ever bring my glasses down here? You want mine? Kind of. Nine years ago when I started Zen Parenting Radio, when you and I started, I did not need here glasses. Here you go, sweetie. Thanks. I always like it on podcasts when they talk off mic. It sounds like real. What do you mean it sounds it real? Like that doesn't sound different. Then if it sounds like this? Yeah, but then it's kind of annoying. That is a little annoying. Sorry about um, that. Okay, now I can't get them on. Give me a... Hold on. Since when did... Why did my... You look like an old lady right now because they're like all the way down the, I know. your nose. Well, and your your glasses don't are make awesome. sense. Because... You don't make sense. Do I need to look down? I don't understand. I find it interesting that you find it difficult. If I'm looking across, it's still blurry. Well, that's a problem because there's no prescription like that. It means Correct. your eyes are broken. No, it means which way do I get the effect I'm looking for? I have what are called progressive lenses. Okay, so then tell me where to look is what I'm asking. So if Down? you're looking at the book, it's okay. going to magnify. If you look straight across, okay. it's not magnified. Okay, but don't normal people look at a book straight across? How often do you read a book up like this? Every day. No, you don't. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Dan Siegel. So, okay. So let's say why. Okay. So we interviewed Dan Siegel last week. Um, You're not going to hear it for a month or two, Um, but it was really great. And we were talking about one of his um, old books that I loved, which is called Parenting from the Inside Out. It's like one that he did like a long time ago. Um, And so I had to get it back out and reread some things just because I just remember loving it so much. And so I found um, basically as I was reading it, I was like, oh, Zen parenting. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, I said to Todd, I said, maybe I got all my ideas from this book. Um, so here's the thing. I love some of the language they use in this book. Some of it is really like brain science. And if you love, you know, interpersonal neurobiology, then you'll love it. Yeah. But some of it is just really basic understanding and it's explained really well. Like the example, to feel felt. For some reason, just reading those two words, and he puts them in quotes, to feel felt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, well, I'll read the definition. To feel felt requires that we attune to each other's primary emotions. When the primary emotions of two minds are connected, 
a state of alignment is created in which the two individuals experience a sense of joining. The music of our mind, our primary emotions, becomes intimately influenced by the mind of the other person as we connect to their emotional state. Okay, I know that's a lot of language, but basically this is what we're all looking for. When we talk about connection, it means that we want to feel felt. Connection isn't let's sit next to each other with our computers Mm -hmm. and work. Connection, I mean, I guess some people could say, but I do feel felt in that moment. Okay, if you do, absolutely, like 100% right on. Like, I I, I don't want to tell but you. But you're an outlier. Most people feel felt the other ways. But sometimes quality time sure. is a love language. And just watching a movie, you can feel connected to your partner. But if you're trying to increase the odds of connection, you do with what you're with, saying. Right. You're attuning to each other's primary emotions. You're not expecting the other person to have a certain emotion. You are not demanding that the other person have a certain emotion. You are not shaming or guilting the other person for having a certain emotion. You are just feeling along with them. And in a lot of times it, we have to go back and forth, meaning to feel felt, sometimes the other person has to attune to you. Mm-hmm. But and you don't then, have any control over that. Correct. But if that other person is- They're in, more likely to attune to you if you attune to them first. Correct. It's, it, it is like a teeter-totter, mm-hmm. that there are times when I really am, whatever place I'm in, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling sad. And when I'm coming to Todd or a friend or a therapist, I'm asking them to, not not in these words, but you know, understand how I'm feeling, help me understand how I'm feeling. Let's give word to it validate it and I feel attuned and connected to you then. Well, and that's what's great about being a therapist is uh, or a coach, they remove their emotion out of it whereas if you're doing it with your husband or your kids, you know, it's not a paid relationship. Right. So it's m- less likely, not less likely, but that's what that's what's great about support. Well, and that's professional inter- support. It, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think we work harder with people that we care about and love because I think we're triggered easier though. We are. It's a back and forth because as much as I agree, like obviously I think therapy is, is vital. I, I think it's fantastic and wonderful, but that person isn't emotionally in, oh, invested. Do you That's see true. what I mean? That's true. We're like, I'm going to work harder mm-hmm. to understand you. So I think the payoff is bigger if a loved one attunes to you. Right. And uh, maybe if a coach or a therapist attunes to you, it's a little bit more shallow, It's, but it's more likely it, to happen. I kind of think about it like when I'm with a client and I have to be very careful because sometimes I'll attune too much mm-hmm. and like feel really crappy afterwards because sure. I'll feel really what they felt, which is not their fault. That's, that's something I, I work on. But as a therapist, I'm, because there's that pretty wide space between us, I can attune in that I can understand, I can validate, I have other examples, experiences that I can relate to. But, and and I hope they feel that connection from me. That's the goal. And I feel connected to them, but not in the intimate way that we do with a partner or a child, Mm -hmm. you know, where you feel not only do I love you, but you, I'm feeling felt by you. And I think why this is important is I think this is super important with children, but I want to focus on partners first because this is where like a spouse will say, but I did all the things. I said all the things you wanted me to say. I, I went on the vacation. I went and picked up the groceries. I did all those things. So you should just love me and, and be happy and be happy. 
and the person keeps asking for more or they're feeling I was listening to a really good um Esther Perel's podcast came back. It's yeah. in season three. And I was listening to the one from this weekend. And it was about a couple that had pretty significant issues. Uh, his previous spouse had taken her own life and he had four kids and then he married this woman. And he felt like they were connected. Mm-hmm. He's like, I've never had a love like I've had with you, so I feel great. And she keeps saying, not I need more like pay more attention to me, but I don't feel connected to you. And what they really got to, interestingly enough, is she didn't feel felt or understood because yeah. she had a history too. Yeah. And what she needed was to feel safe. I actually want you to listen to it because it kind of reminded me of some things I say to you. Okay. Um, and she just needed to be not hugged, like hug me for five minutes, but like made to feel safe so she could let go of everything else. Like, hold me up. So it's interesting about this, because we're going to talk <clears throat> about another idea in that book. Yes, Which is a tune, book man. that Siegel wrote with uh-huh. somebody else 30 years ago or something Mary like Hartzell. that. Mary Hartzell. And she and he told us that she just passed away. I know. And he yeah. got, he got, did he you got feel, sad. He got sad. Yeah. He is a, he's one big heart. He is. As You know what? Remember what he said about this book? He says it's a big hug. He said, this book, Parenting from the Inside Out, is a big hug. So his new book that's coming out, we interviewed him, and the interview, uh, interview will be posted in January, right when the book comes out. Um, but he talks about, it's the four S's. He's big into acronyms, as I think you know. Mm-hmm. First one is safe. Mm-hmm. Second one is seen. Mm-hmm. Third one is soothed. And if you do those three things, then your kid will be have a secure attachment. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about, safety, correct, is that's, I don't know if it's more important than the other two S's, but you can't get anywhere unless a person feels safe. Well, and this is my point, is that say we didn't have that in childhood. Say we didn't have a secure attachment or we didn't with a lot of people. Some, we were we were having a conversation with him about how you could have a secure attachment maybe with a grandmother, mm. which could help ground you and build a foundation. But maybe you didn't with another parent yeah. or maybe you had an abusive relationship that kind of shook that. Now... If that's the case, then you may need a little more safety mm-hmm. in the relationship that you're currently in. And maybe your partner will say, geez, I'm here. I'm saying all the things. But what that person needs is not for you to say all the things, and I'm saying that in air quotes, but is to hold her or him and to sit there and say, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And you may think, I shouldn't have to do that because I do all these things. But it's not a feeling felt is understanding what the other person needs. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a few words, and I want you to just riff off of it. Oh. So we're going to skip over the safe, because safety is keeping keeping our kids or our loved ones physically and emotionally safe. Okay. So we're going to skip over that. We're just going to go to seen and soothe. Okay. So what he says is to, to, to make sure that your kid or your partner feels seen, that they know that you care about them and pay attention to them. Simple enough, right? Okay. Number one, two bullet points. First one is attuning to their internal mental state, which is what we're talking about. Bullet point number two is understand their inner life by using imagination to make sense of what is actually going on inside their mind. Mm -hmm. So can you riff off of that? Like, what does it mean to understand their inner life by using imagination in terms of like our daughter's? When, when well, it's interesting because when you say that, what I think, and I'm not quite sure if he was talking about the kid or the adult, but I think about you have to be creative in understanding their experience, yes. either in the way that you ask the questions or in the way you try and tell the story back to them, mm-hmm. which is, <laughs> that's a really exhausting endeavor for me. And when I say exhausting, I don't mean exhausting like I won't do it, 
But when I do that, when the girls are struggling and I'm really working hard to put those puzzle pieces together with them, Mm -hmm. because they'll only give you certain pieces and then you've got to be creative and like imaginative about how did this happen and where did this go? I'm afterwards, I'm really tired. Well, in my quick example, yesterday morning, I drove one of our daughters to a practice and I wanted to connect with her and she's was in her phone and my non-empathic perception is she doesn't love me. She doesn't want to connect with me, but hers is probably like, I'm watching the show, I'm halfway in. So it's like, can you get creative with why your kid is doing what it is that they're doing? Because if I'm not empathic at all, I'm just gonna get defensive and force her to try to talk to me. Instead of saying, hmm, let me get a little curious here. Um, she was out with her friends all night the night before. She hasn't had any screen time. Right. So maybe she real. this is really important to her. And she even said to me, she's like, Dad, I'm much more open after right. practice than before. So that's, she's told me that before. But unless I'm in this open state of being, I'm not going to think about that. Instead, I'm just going to get quickly defensive. So it's interesting. I actually outlined a page about this. When our internal experience keeps us from connecting with our children, their experience of our intense emotion may trigger trigger the arousal of defensive emotion emotion in them. Mm-hmm. So when this takes place, we are no longer in a relationship, but each person has separated into their own internal world and feels alone and isolated. Damn right. And so basically what, what Todd is trying to say is that you guys, there you can't even begin this process of connecting with someone unless you know where you are. Mm-hmm. I would say be self-aware. Todd would say locate yourself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of language you use. You have to be thoughtful about where you are and what you need and why. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this takes some time before you even try and practice a new way of connecting. Yeah. I have to, like in my meditation this morning, I had to kind of figure out where a certain fear was coming from in me because if I don't, and if I don't alleviate that fear with a sense of like presence and, and that all sounds really, um, what I mean by that is if I don't get to the core of where that fear is coming from and then looking at it from an expanded view and seeing that it's really not that big of a deal, if I don't do that, that fear will dictate my behavior. That's when fear is riding shotgun. Correct. And possibly driving. Maybe driving. Yes. And here's why that's a problem is then if I am acting from that behavior, then that is... Oh, sorry. That's very pretty. Then that is how I'm responding to everybody. So my, I, then everything I say, do, every way I act is on this emotional experience I'm having. And I am not aware or attuned to what anybody else is going through. I am only in my own story. Right. You know, like all of us wake up in the morning and you know what? It's hard for everybody to wake up. Waking and so, up sucks. And when we are like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Uh huh. Yeah, so is everybody else. So is the bus driver who's coming to get you. So is the people who have been, you know, plowing the streets all morning. Here is, and I'm not even talking about my children. I'm talking about me. Yeah. Like I'm the one who's like, oh, you know, just so tired. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah, so does everybody. Mm-hmm. And and that's not about don't feel sorry for yourself. I mean, you can have a moment of, wow, this is hard. But you have to, there's a common humanity piece here where it's like, you are not the only one and this is part of it. And so, okay. So swinging back before you can attune to someone else, you have to be clear about where you are. And I know Todd would always say, locate yourself, 
figure out if you're above the line or below the line, figure out where you're coming from. I would say be conscious of where you're, what you're feeling and why, and then you can understand other people. For sure. But if you are just in your own head so about how, your own stuff. So how do we do that? That's a muscle that needs to be flexed every yes. day through breathing, through medication, meditation, through prayer, through self-care, through playing basketball, through reading something you love, all those things. Well, you know, Skylar and I, yesterday, we spent about 20 minutes just re- making another self-care list because she's she's pretty good at remembering to do self-care or when she's not doing it, she realizes she needs to get back to it, mm-hmm. which is a lot like me. Um, I would do a really good job for a while. And then all of a sudden I'm finding myself not doing anything. Did you see that she wrote on her mirror? She does a quote every morning. How great is that? I know. Well, that was her idea. So I'm like, what does she Google inspirational quotes or something like that? I don't know where she got that one. I brought her, um, two little books of quotes that I had and I said, feel free to use those. But she likes to have something on her mirror when she gets up because morning's tough for her. And, um, I, When I get away from gratitude journaling, that's not good for me. When I get away Mm. from meditation, that's not good for me. And when I get, I don't get away from yoga. Yoga is something I don't don't really get away from meditation either. Do you? Well, sometimes I'll go three days and then on a fourth day, like this weekend, um, I don't, for some reason I didn't do it Friday. Mm. I think we were, oh, we were running late Friday, uh, Saturday. I didn't. Because I oh, got up and went to yoga. It's a bad streak for you. I know. Yesterday I did. So two days I yep. didn't. Um, and I maybe I didn't Thursday. I don't know. But I just knew that it's like somebody said to me, um, one of my girlfriends was saying to me, well, you know, I just don't know if I really have the time to do those things or, you know, you really like to do them. There was some comment that she made and, and I really... I really wanted to be felt by her. I yeah. wanted to feel felt. Yeah. And I, I, what I explained to her is it's not because I'm trying to be spiritual or because I'm trying to show you what I'm doing. I don't have a choice or else things don't go as well for me. Right. It's kind of like saying one day being like, I'm just not going to eat. <laughs> yeah. Then the day doesn't quite go as well, does it? Right. And this is what self-care teaches us is that there are other ways Sometimes we just bulldoze our way through the day and we're like, we got to fight through it, fight through it. But what if you did something different, like started your day different, then you wouldn't maybe have to fight so hard. Or maybe you set your alarm 30 minutes earlier, or maybe you go to bed. We all went to bed much earlier last night, which all five of us needed. Nine bells last night for me. For you. I would think I was around 10, but all five of us were getting on a bad streak of like being up late. Well, and our kids are poor kids with their growing brains and their 6 a.m. alarm clocks. It's so hard. Really, really difficult. So um, do you want me to go on to attunement or you want to keep going with um, that? I think that I want to talk about our partner of the week. Okay, And then ahead. you talk about attunement. Sure. Um, sweetie, this is a blast from the past. Canvas people. Hey, they're, they're back. They're back. I love canvas Holidays people. are just around the corner. How's your holiday shopping going? Uh, for a really special gift for the people in your life, you got to check out Canvas People. Canvas People prints your favorite memories on Canvas and turns them into unique works of art that add a beautiful touch to your home. It's great for decor. The prints, is, the prints are like pieces of art. So what I did this morning, I got on uh, canvaspeople.com for my phone. So this is what, the way you do it. As a special, very limited holiday offer, Canvas People.com is offering their popular 11 by 14 photo canvases 
for free. Right. I was just going to say, are they going to give away the free thing? That's why this is such an easy partner, because it's truly free. That's right, free. These normally sell for $69.99, but you'll pay nothing. Just cover shipping and handling to get your free canvas. Text ZEN, Z-E-N, to 64000. Just pay shipping and handling. This offer won't last. Text Zen to 64000. So 64000. So all you do is you get on your phone, text 64000 and write Zen and they'll send you a coupon code. So I did that. Uh They'll send you a link. Okay. You click on the link. Then you have to reply yes to it. And then it has the hyperlink. You upload your photo. I uploaded the photo from my phone that we took at Disney World in, Uh in costume. Cool. And um, I filled out my credit card information for my phone. So I literally didn't even need to go to my computer. It's on its way. Cool. Zero dollars. Where are we going to put that? We're going to put it in the basement. I decided we're going to have a collection of awesome pictures in the basement. I'm so excited. Yes. I love that. So it's zero dollars. So anyways, thanks to canvaspeople.com. Um, check it out. I know a lot of our uh, listeners have done this in the years I past. Know, that's, uh, people get, people um, at the conference and other places approach me and say, I love that thing I got from, <laughs> I sound like I'm doing an ad. I love that thing I got from Canvas But people. it's free. But they do. They've taken Shipping Canvas and handling. people that's up it. on it. All right. Okay. Attunement. So attuned communication. Okay. So I really loved this because I have struggled with this. I found, um, I felt validated in this. Um, attuned communication is about, you know, having some sense of self-regulation mm. when you are communicating with somebody. Um, it's like, you know, emotional communication like if you are going to help someone feel felt and if you are going to feel felt, then you have to kind of align and attune with where they are. Yeah. So what this means is that I'll just tell this story because it kind of helps explain it a little better. Um, so th- the story in this book is there's this little girl and she is um, I'm trying to find the page. There it is. She is like really nervous about you know, going on this tree and walking on this tree. It's fallen down and she wants to walk across it, kind of like it's a little bridge. And she's really nervous. And this teacher is kind of watching her. And the girl like jumps up on the tree and does it. And then she jumps off and she's kind of shy and she, you know, kind of looks around. And and then all of a sudden the teacher like jumps up and starts clapping and going, yay, Susie, you did it. You did it. Oh my gosh, you're terrific. That was so amazing. She was over the top. So over the top. And now a lot of people may hear that story and go, but that's so nice. She noticed her and she cheered for her. But Susie is quiet and shy and was doing that to figure out for herself if she could do that. And although I'm sure there's a part of her that appreciates the support, it was not in attunement with where she was. So parents are going to say, what does that mean? I have an idea. It's a fist bump. The teacher just yes. fist bumps her. You go over and you go, I saw that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. You attune to their energy. energy because what that teacher did was attune to her energy, which is I like to freak out. Mm-hmm. And like, and this is why a lot of kids, this this resonated with me so much because a lot of kids are annoyed at their parents all the time mm-hmm. because their parents have this energy level that's over the top. Yeah. You know, like where, you know, they'll be like, mom, calm down. Can't you just hear that all the time? 
And what and they're not saying and again, parents, you know, if you're the listening to this, the of the parents is nothing but pure. Not only is it good, but you get to have your own personality. I'm not saying stop having your personality. That's the nuance. I'm saying when your kid is having an experience and you want to connect to them, yeah. attune to their energy. Can does that feel different to you, Todd? For Can sure. you understand? So it's like if your kid or on the the opposite. If you've got a kid who just did something and they're jumping around and screaming and you're like walking around holding laundry going, yeah, great. Yeah. You're not attuned to where they are. They are looking for the, can you believe it? Yeah. And again, you have attunement means it's kind of like you're kind of fitting yourself into their energy. And I struggle with this. Sometimes I'm having conversations. This is not just with kids and adults. I'll be having conversations with adults and their energy is so high mm. that I like can't keep up with the highness of yeah. their, and I'm like, ah, like I'm exhausted when I'm com- when I'm talking to them. Or I was just telling you a story about someone I was talking to who they were talking at me for like 10 minutes. Like they were completely not attuned with me. They were just attuned with themselves yeah. and having telling me all these things about themselves and not in a therapy session because that would be the way it would go. But attunement is like, where are we energetically? And are we way high? Are we way low? Are we modulating? I have a weird example. Okay. Um, I live in, I grew up in Chicago in a nice part of Chicago, not like downtown crazy Chicago. I now live in Elmhurst. I've visited New York, New York, Manhattan a few times yes. in the last five years. Yes. And I swear to God, I feel like I can't catch my breath for the first day. Yes. Because Manhattan is chaotic and fast paced and awesome and I love it. But it takes me a few days to attune to the energy to of, the rhythm of that city. To the rhythm mm-hmm. of that city. So that's it. What do you how do you feel? Okay. I was thinking because I was just in New York about a month or two ago and I kept talking about how I have a similar it's like either in my brain or my body, I feel similar similarly in New York that I do in Vegas. And it's different, meaning I'm not comparing the cities. Well, the vastness of, you know, the, the hotels in Vegas, like they're huge and they're like, they're all together in one place. So right. there is a similarity there. Whereas Manhattan, it's huge and tight. And tight. And there's like, at least in Vegas, at least the Las Vegas Boulevard is like this Wide. six, whereas... You know, there's taxi cabs just kind of racing in and out. And New York has all the senses. It has smells Mm, and sights and sounds. And I know everywhere does, but I think those of you who either live in New York or go to New York, you know what we're talking about, where you're walking down the street and you're like maneuvering around people and there's a million food carts and there's different turns you have to take. And you, I I mean, it's just a whole experience. And it takes a while for me to, it, it takes like, I think a day and a half for me to, feel like I can have a conscious breath. Like a rhythm. Yeah. Well, and the reason why, and again, I'm not comparing Vegas and um, New York, like they're similar in setup, but there is a heightened energy that I feel that for as much as I call myself an introvert and as much as I really do enjoy, cause you know, Todd and I will drive through really small towns and I'll be like, what if we lived here? And I'm, and I'm being serious. I love the whole idea of living in a small town. <laughs> I was like, no way. Well, I drive through town. It'll I be think like, once I'm old, I'll appreciate the country. Uh, and I'm appreciating more. When I was a little kid, I would get, I would have feel so sorry for the kids who would live in the country because my night I would play with my friends who live right next door from me and then I would see like see these farmhouses and then their next door neighbor is like three city blocks away right and I thought they had no to play with I didn't know that they figured out a way to kind of sure. stay together 
But as a 47-year-old man now, I can see myself kind of loosening the grip on that. Sure. Well, and you can see how convenience and quiet and a little more of a structure yeah. is enjoyable. But my but my big but is that's actually I was going to say there is still a part of me which really needs city. Like there is a reason Todd and I live close to Chicago because I like going into Chicago. Yeah. And I love going, I love going into Chicago, that's my city, but I love going to New York and I love going to Vegas, but I can't do it for long, long periods of time. Right. But, you know, it, it, it kind of freaks my system out, but I kind of like it. Okay, so um, some other things about this attunement. So just, again, that story I told about the teacher, I love this sentence. It says, the teacher's actual reaction to Susie tells more about the teacher than it does about Sarah. Sure. You know, Sarah's the girl's name, yeah. the, you know, not Susie. Um, but my, my point is, is that she was not, she was like, this is what I would want, or this is who I am. And I'm not considering the person I'm talking to because for Sarah, not Susie, Sarah, being terrific and and all of those things that the teacher was saying about her, that's that's a hard act to follow for a really cautious child. Yeah, like she's like, oh, I don't know if I can rise to that again, so I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah, you kind of shut down there, and again, you may just this idea of being attuned with your children, and again, it like I said already, it can go the other way. You could have a child. Like I have to attune, Skylar has a really high energy about when she gets really excited about something, like she wants to play a game yeah. and I have to raise my game so she can feel felt Yeah. because if I stay at that middle place, yeah. um, she's like, but you're not as excited. And again, it's, it, it there are times that I say, sorry, to, I don't have it. Anymore. I don't have it. Right. It's not about that. We have to be fake people. We have to not say to them. You should just but, get it. But you, we can, as human beings, feed off the energy sure. of our daughter sure. or our partner. And, you know, we've all done that. Like, you know, sometimes this doesn't happen anymore. But um, if I was going out with my buddies and, like, it's the third night in a row we've gone out and everybody's just kind of beat. And then one guy just brings the energy level up totally. for the entire totally. group. Gandalf. I, I was sometimes that guy. You were? Yeah. Yes. And so everyone would be sad if you were leaving. Oh, they'd be devastated. They'd be devastated. They couldn't <laughs> handle it. Um, so when you're done with that, I want to talk about being soothed. Sweetie. And then I said Gandalf. Yeah, it's from a friend, sweetie. Yeah, because when you go out with Gandalf. You got to get your snake bite kit, your passport. And your passport. And a pair of socks, He's I like, think. it's not going to be exactly like last time. Okay, so one more thing about this. Why is emotional relating like this so challenging? Feeling felt and attunement. He... Uh, in this book, they call all of that, it kind of falls under the category of emotional relating. Why is it so hard? Emotional relating requires a mindful awareness of our own internal state, as well as being open and understanding and respecting of our child's state of mind. Mm -hmm. So you are handling two things at once. You are handling how do I feel and how do they feel? We need to see a situation from our child's point of view as well as our own. But if we are unaware of our emotions or paralyzed by leftover issues and emotional reactions that can come from them, this can be really hard to do. And then we end up in this really reactive knee-jerk place with our kids where we're like, you're making me mad. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. You shouldn't ask me to do that. And really, that's 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 knee jerk, and that's well. And I think it needs to be said: as the parents, we have the hopefully fully developed prefrontal cortex. So, 
I, as a dad, sometimes I meet them where they are in their brain development in not the best way. You know, I become reactive. I go into reptilian brain. But you're not meeting them. You're going, don't, it's not them. You're going into reptilian. Right. But you just said you meet them where they are. Right. But you're meeting them where you are. Well, where I'm saying I am acting like the 10 year old. Oh. I regress to their whatever. Age. Age. And as the parents, and I say this to all of us, it's our job to be able to take care of ourselves to when to when we don't do that. Now, we will do that from time to time. Hopefully it doesn't happen very often, but it will happen. And then comes the repair and how good are we as parents at repairing. We can do a whole podcast on repairing or saying sorry. or We actually did. We just did one called Rupture and Repair, didn't we? Did we call it that? I, we did talk about it. I don't know if we called it that, but yeah, it was within the last few weeks. And, you know, that's the thing. If, you know, Todd and I talk about all these things and I think people sometimes listen to this show and then they feel bad, like, I didn't do that this morning or I don't do that very often. That's okay. What we're talking about is a practice of understanding what you want to do. And if it doesn't come out that way, you get a chance to say, this morning, I totally wasn't excited for the thing you were excited about. And tell me about it now. Now I have the space for it. It's not about doing everything perfect in a row where it's like this. It's about recognizing. Well, and it's in the book because I just finished reading Dr. Siegel's book because we got kind of an early preview to it. Um, He talks about it's not about the one time you screw up. It's what pattern are you creating in your household? So this is not about being a perfect parent. This is about what is the consistent repetition what is the consistent pattern? And if we can do it more often, do it from above the line or from a place of self-awareness, then you're wiring your kid's brain to be securely attached, which means that they will be resilient, awesome kids. And being securely attached doesn't mean they've never had a disappointment or a challenge or an argument with you. That's not actually, that's not a reality. Right. You know, um, and speaking of Todd, before you move on to yep. the next thing. This I just read this to Todd this morning, again, still from Parenting from the Inside Out, still from the old book. But I love this, again, this language, denying reality. Okay, that's the, this what this section says, denying reality. Every day we miss opportunities for making true connection because instead of listening and responding appropriately to our children, we respond only from our own, own point of view and fail to make a connection to their experience. When our children tell us what they think or how they feel, it's important to respect their experience, whether or not it's the same as our own. I mean, this is like, parents are like, but I don't feel that way. It doesn't matter. Parents can listen to and understand their child's experience rather than tell them that what they think and feel isn't valid. So we've been talking about this idea for the last eight years. Nine years. Which is empathy. But the reason that it spoke to you is because of what it was called. Denying reality. Which is just a very easy thing to remember. Like, this is their reality. Correct. They are sad because um, somebody wrote them a note at school or whatever and you your adult brain's like well that's stupid why would you get so upset over that you're denying their reality correct and then that's where they're like i'm not going to talk to you about this or i feel worse or i feel guilty or ashamed or i'm angry at you or i feel disconnected i don't know how it'll show up but you know it's simple things like one of my um somebody was just telling me that their child said that at the lunch table they always have to sit on the end and it makes them really sad and it bothers them and the parent's like well that's no big deal someone's got to sit on the end yeah and it's like that's great. Denying Thank reality. You. 
But how often do you have to sit at a lunch table, mom? Mm-hmm. And when you do, how do you like sitting at the end? And can you be imaginative and creative and go into their experience and and acknowledge it? You don't have to like take it on. You don't have to be like, I'm going to be sad too. But can you just allow their reality to be reality? Um, I don't know if this is the scene I want to play, okay. but it's Gandalf from oh. Friends. Gandalf. We're not going to set it up. You either know it or you don't. <laughs> No, 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 I don't think you heard me. Are you ready to party? <laughs> no. Gandalf? Gandalf is coming to town? Kathy's with her parents. I have nothing to do, so tomorrow we are partying with Gandalf, dude! Dude, we are so gonna party! Yeah. Wow, okay. Dude alert. <laughs> and who is this guy? Mike Gandalf Ganderson. Only, like, the funnest guy in the world. I'm gonna call and get off work tomorrow. Oh, I'm gonna call after you. <laughs> this is gonna be so cool, dude. We never party yeah. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, were you guys smoking something in the back of our van? Really? And what do you mean we never have fun anymore? You have fun with me. Remember the time we saw those strippers and you paid me 50 bucks to eat that book? <laughs> There's another scene. There's like three good scenes from that, sh- from that episode. Oh, regarding Gandalf. So, I know. There's so much. So. Um, Kathy's with her parents. <laughs> Whatever, Chandler. <laughs> All right. So I have some questions that I don't... So these are questions that I want to ask Dr. Siegel that okay. we never got around to. Okay. Uh, they're hard, so I don't know if you're going to be able to oh, answer Oh, boy. Them. So I am pretending to you're be pretending Dr. Siegel You're pretending to be right Dr. Dr. Siegel. Oh, so the, the third of the three S's, the first S is safe, second S is seen, the third S is soothed. Okay. Soothed means that you you be there for them when they're hurting. Right. Um, so... Does this mean that we rescue them from pain? And how do we discern when we rescue our kids or when we need to allow them to fail? Well, those are two very different things. To me, I guess what I mean is like if my child is feeling sad about something that happened, then I can hold them and soothe them because they're feeling the experience of what already happened. So I'm not saving them from it. It already happened. But what if there's something, and this may not work, but you know there's a strong likelihood that they might be disappointed. Well, I would never get involved in that. I mean, I may, when I say I'd never get involved, I'm not saying I wouldn't talk through a pros and cons or like say, how are you feeling about this experience? Or do you feel ready? Or if my girls are old, like I have two girls in high school, I would probably say, do you have a backup plan? And sometimes they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, go Mm -hmm. get them. Like, it doesn't mean you can't comment on it. Mm -hmm. It just means if they want to do it, that's this is their this is where we start to set them free. Yeah. It's their life. And what we get to be, this is so important, is if they come home and it doesn't work out, we get to soothe them. And for goodness sakes, parents, do not say in any way, shape, or form, I told you so. Mm-hmm. Do not do the when you left this morning, I told you that was gonna happen. Don't get stuck in your own ego of how you were right because if you do that they're going to be less likely to be open to want to connect with you and it's so seductive to do that like you want um, to win it's 38 degrees out you might want to put on a jacket they go out they're cold they come back for the jacket see i told you so like it's we're almost hardwired to be able to want to be right and instead it can be something like what would i do in that situation like when you just set that up i can hear what i do they go out, they don't have gloves. I'm like, and I am the mom who's like, don't you want a coat? Cause I'm cold all the time. And I could see myself them running back in and going, I want gloves. And I'd be like, right. It's horrible out there. Joining them rather than 
being over them yeah. and saying, see, I won. You can join them in that feeling of like, yeah, like I needed gloves too. So um, when your kid comes home with a disappointment, I don't know if you'd be able to answer this. What's the difference between soothing and coddling? I think coddling is it's a leftover from our parents' generation of like spoiling and coddling mm -hmm. because soothing is like coddling is something that's thrown around to demonstrate why we need to be harder on our kids. Mm -hmm. Now, someone may be able to give me an example of coddling, like, you know, telling a child, oh, you're so amazing, or you're going to do everything great or right or well. That's not healthy for them because it's not true. Yeah. You're lying to them. So I don't know if that's coddling or if that's just lying. Yeah. Um, but I think if a child is sad, being able to sit there and hold them, and, you know, kissing their head or allowing them to have that release, that's soothing. I don't, it, it coddling, like if you were to look it up, it'd probably be synonymous, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that there is, I think the minute you it's ask that question. the energy of a word. Right. Um, don't get on your phone because I wanted be... to look up coddling. All right. Go ahead. Because I want to see how they describe it. Treatment in an indulgent or overprotective way. Right. So I guess overprotective would be the what you were talking about before, which not is allowing not them allowing them or being a helicopter parent doing everything for them. Yeah. Like, for example, this morning, and actually her, the window was fine, but... You know, like this morning it was snowing big time in Chicago where we live and JC drives everybody to school and we weren't like, oh, we'll, we'll go do this for you. And we'll, we just, you were like, bye, mm -hmm. you know, like she can drive safe. do it, drive safe. safe. I did tell her to go slower though. Um, how do soothing strategy, strategies change? So for example, how do you soothe a four-year-old versus a 14-year-old? And I'm specifically thinking about, this may be unfair, but a 14-year-old boy who's starting to be conditioned by our society to shut down, mm -hmm. how do you soothe mm -hmm. somebody who doesn't want to be soothed? Mm -hmm. That's a very hard question that I have no idea how to answer. You know, there is no like um, ABC, yeah. like because it depends on it, it. It depends on all the things we talked about at the beginning, which was attuning to them. Like the the picture I saw in my head when you said that about a boy is sitting next to a boy and rubbing the, their back, their spine, going down, by the way. Don't go up and down and up and down and up and down because if you do that on the spine, that like can like energize them rather than calm them. You kind of go down their back and soothe them. What I see in my mind when I do that is them relaxing and then maybe putting their head on your shoulder or putting their hands in their, in their, um, their face in their hands and then you can kind of rub their head. Yeah. There are some boys who would be just fine with a hug. You know what I mean? And there are some boys that would close the door, go in the room, close the door, and not want anybody right. in there, too. And, you know, for those of you who are just starting this and your boys are teenagers, I know this might be harder. But one thing that Todd and I talked about a lot when our girls were little, like year one, two, and three of Zen Parenting, is how we put certain things in place with them that became normalized as they got older. Like we used to put oils on their feet or do oils on their back. And so then you'd rub their feet before bed. Um, and part of the reason that Todd did that is he wanted that to be normal. You were actually just doing that last night to one of the girls. Um, to, to make that a normal experience as they got older so he could continue to have physical contact with them because it was not going to be the same as when they're little girls and yeah. you're carrying them around on your shoulders yeah. and there's so much physical contact with little girls and dads that changes. Mm. And it should change. Yeah. 
Like that's exact. That's it's necessary. Yeah, this is the part where the dad would say to the daughter, "How come we don't do this anymore? Correct. How come you don't let me give you kisses and hugs anymore? Correct. It's because your daughter's turning her." body's changing and she's refiguring herself out and her brain is changing and there should be a change not a change that you shouldn't have hugs and it's that it's going to it's going to look different this is where the curiosity comes in like okay your kid doesn't want to be connected in this way get curious how do we connect correct and going back to the original example i used in the beginning of the show is my kid uh, driving her to practice she doesn't want to connect or engage. Mm-hmm. She's more likely to connect on the way home. Right. Doesn't mean she always does. But if I keep trying to connect with her the minute she gets in the car on the way there, I mean, how many more times does she have to kind of tell me? Well, and that's kind of the thing is it's almost like you're beating yourself up. It's almost like you're harming yourself because instead not, of accepting, yeah. the, like, cause I don't have the, I'm just denying reality. Cr- yes. Because that's what I was going to say. Cause when I drive any of them, it's not just the one, I don't need anything and not needing something. N- now, when I say I don't need anything, that, that doesn't mean I'm completely silent. And I'm like, it's only about them. If I have a question, I ask it. I don't need you to demonstrate we're connected right now. Yeah. So you let go. Mm-hmm. Um, so did that answer the question? Uh, sort of. And there's more, but I know that uh, the weather sucks and you got to leave for yoga a little bit earlier I than do. you usually I do. I do. Um, I just want to throw out another acronym that uh, Dr. Siegel says uh, to promote inner soothing. He uses another acronym called PEACE, P-E-A-C-E, presence, which is being aware of what's going on around, around you without judgment. That's the P. E is engagement, the way you offer your presence. The A is affection, using words and actions. C is calm, your own green zone. He talks about the red zone, the green zone, the blue zone. I don't know if he talks about that in, in no, your book. No. But the green zone is is when somebody's in a position to connect. The red zone is when they're upset. Um, and then the blue zone is when they just shut down. So the o- connection only happens from the green zone. And then last is empathy. So he's big yeah, in acronyms. These, I was going to say there's different acronyms in here. And it's really saying, you know, it, it's really just having a understanding of how human beings connect and communicate. Mm -hmm. It's having an understanding of your own internal state. So you are in a place to connect and communicate effectively. It's also having the ability to be creative or imaginative or patient as you're understanding where your child is in that moment. And also to, you know, what we were just saying about Todd in the car, being gentle on yourself that it's not always going to go perfectly. Like one of the things that I'm really enjoy, I've been doing so much writing about Zen parenting. And one of the things that I've enjoyed is that Zen parenting, if you start calling yourself a Zen parent, like we've never said that's like a title because as soon as you start to do that, you've lost track of what it means anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're already like off target if you're like, this is what I am. Because the goal is to be present with what's happening and what's happening is not always comfortable. Mm. And so you get comfortable with the uncomfortable. You expect the uncertain. You recognize that sometimes you don't do it right. You, it, There's so much room to be human. And then you have all this opportunity to repair yeah. and to reconnect. Connection, reconnect. Breaking apart, reconnect. Mm. That's what this is. It's not a way of I do everything perfectly and say all these things right and I'm always connected to my children. That's not human. It's how you come back together and how you come back in tune with yourself. Because mm-hmm. that is like I said, I I 
how long have I been doing this? 20 years. And then I get away from my meditation practice and I lose, you know, like it's coming and going. In, and the, in the words of Richard Rohr, order. Yes. Disorder. disorder. Reorder. Reorder. Perfect. That's um, exactly what I'm trying to say. So we have a Zen talk this Friday. Uh-huh. Um, it's get your questions answered face to face through a computer screen uh, by Kathy and I. Um, we have 68 different private Team Zen podcasts that you can pull from. Uh, discount off conference t- t- tickets. Be a part of the Facebook community um, and just support us. And we also have um, grown and flown. When are when do we have them? I don't know. Coming up. Yeah, we have the authors from Grown and Flown coming on uh, the podcast very soon. And I want to acknowledge a few Zen friends. Okay. Kim Sourwine. Okay. Her nickname is Kim Sourwine and Cheese. Do you get it? No. Yes, you get it. Wine and Cheese. Sour Wine and Cheese. Oh, okay. Cesarina Schmidt. Okay. Cesarina About Schmidt. Isn't that a movie? Yes. Okay, number three, Colleen Forbes 500. Forbes 500. Isn't there something called Forbes 500? Maybe. Or I'm going to call her Colleen Crocodile Dundee Forbes because she's from Australia. Okay. You with me? Not really. There's four more. Teresa Kid. She's Teresa, Teresa Billy the Kid. Okay. Sweetie, these are good. We know Teresa was at um, yeah, 1440. Yeah, 1440. And, and her, her husband, husband. Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alicia, Sh- Alicia Schultz. Alicia, don't call me Charles Schultz. That's a good one. How about do call me Charles Schultz? Uh, Lisa bad tag. Lisa Gami. Uh, I couldn't think of anything for her on a Monday morning, so we got to come up with something for Lisa. And then lastly, Jean Ket, Ketaruners, the Ket Ketaruners. Okay, so you would come up with that, but you couldn't come up with something for Lisa. <laughs> no. So if you want to get a nickname created by me, become a Zen friend. You guys, I don't know if this is a good motivating factor. How about instead, just that we're reading your name. And then your appreciation because you're helping all these people come to the conference. And you also get your name in the program at the conference. And we acknowledge you at the conference. Or give me a nickname for Lisa Gami, sweetie. Well, I don't. This is not my. See, it's not easy. It's not. But I've never attempted to say it was. Only a few of us are willing to take that big leap, sweetie. Okay, thank you. Well, all of those wonderful people, thank you so much for contributing because you are sending um, like teachers, a preschool teachers, uh, some military moms, some single moms, um, some couples that they can only afford one ticket. Now they're getting two. Like we just get great emails. So thank you. Next week, I'm going to announce our new Team Zen members along with some other stuff. So thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, Planes, trains, and automobiles tomorrow. And you got to watch it for thanksgiving too okay adios thanks for listening everyone remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a five-star review on itunes it helps people find us also subscribe and review our pop culturing podcast a gen x viewpoint on movies and tv with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness it's basically the flip side of zen parenting radio Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. 
Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.